You're listening to the Know the Cause podcast with Doug Kaufman. Visit us online at knowthecause.com and join the conversation at facebook.com slash knowthecause. Friends, joining me right now is a friend of mine for many, many years. He is board certified in internal medicine. He practices medicine in New York City. And his name is Dr. Fred Pescatori. He is uh, best known as one of the early complementary doctors. He and Dr. Adkins worked together. Uh, and uh, so you know what kind of a doctor he is. Welcome and thank you so thank much you for, for having joining me, us. Doug. I appreciate it. You and I did some taping today on television. Uh, so appreciate your time in doing all of that. And in it, you began to beat the sugar drum. And I love <laughs> when you do that. And I forgot some of those statistics. How can a 100-pound person eat an average of 120 pounds or 150 pounds of sugar annually, and yet we do. We do, we do. It's just remarkable to me how much sugar is consumed and people don't don't recognize that it really is one of the most unhealthy things that we could possibly put in our body. Uh, and, and what bothers me the most is that everybody thinks it's okay, we can regulate against alcohol, we can regulate against uh, street drugs, we can regulate against um, um, uh, tobacco, mm -hmm. but yet we don't regulate against a thing that is causing six of the top leading, top 10 leading causes of death in the United States. Yeah, sugar. Sugar. Yeah. Yep. And then there's 11 specific cancers known to be directly related to sugar consumption. Yet we sit idly by and say, as we're eating M&Ms, oh, okay, that's fine, Yeah, no problem. There are just a few M&Ms. He's already three years old, he can have some of that. What, do you know Nancy Appleton? Mm -hmm. You know, amazing sure. books, right? Yep. She has written some amazing books and she talks in those books about our compulsive behavior when it comes to sugar. In days of old, honey and sugar were gold. They were given to the kings and so forth. Well, we created a way to make them, you know, just off anything now. And we overconsume sugar. What happens to our health when we do that? Well, I'll throw in another funny statistic. I think in, in the 1870s, it took people, I believe, like four months <laughs> to eat the same amount of sugar we eat in two hours. Wow. Uh, so that is... That's where the whole sugar thing and the kings and all that came from. So I, I just thought that would be That's, a funny statistic and, to throw and out. And remember when honey, it was an honor. It was given to royalty. They'd give you a thimble of honey, you know, if you were royal. But the poor townspeople, you know, could never, never get it. Never had it. But um, now it's just all too readily available. And it leads to death and destruction of the cells. It leads to death and destruction of our gut, as we know is sort of the main uh, health driver um, it causes a suppression of the immune system. It causes, and not to mention, of the oxidative stress that it causes, which leads to heart disease, which leads to uh, you know, diabetes. I mean, all of these things. I mean, when you look at the diabetes epidemic that we have facing us today, there's really one root cause to that, and that is the overconsumption of sugar is and it, simple carbohydrates. I mean, and, let me not okay, forget good. those. Thank you, because that's where I wanted to go. Is it the cookies, is it the cake, is it the soda pops, or is it whole grains that convert with salivary enzymes into glucose in our body? 
It's all of the above, and people think oh, it's okay to eat rice or white rice. It's okay to, you know, it's okay to eat bread. It's okay to do this a potato, pasta, potatoes, right. but that is turning immediately into sugar, as is fruit. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that, you know, people think fruit is so amazing for us, but think, you know, a banana has six teaspoons of sugar in it, and that's and that's America's fit most favorite fruit. Of course, it is because it's the sweetest, and we we have we have the biggest sweet tooth on on the planet is America. Uh, so I think there's so many foods that turn into sugar, and and I don't want to sit here, Doug, and sound like I'm this you know food Nazi and right, all right. of that stuff. Yeah. I really am here, as are you. We are here to educate and support people in 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 ways of getting healthy. And I think while we may have to always often over exaggerate our points because we really kind of do. I mean, if you don't pull people so far in one direction, you're not gonna get them to just budge a little bit. And and all I can ever hope for is that people start to understand and de- just decrease and be a little bit more proactive in what they choose to eat, what they yeah. choose to buy, what they yeah. choose to create at home, what they choose to eat when they eat out. And, and that's really what this is all about. Is this an addiction that we suffer from? And if so, is it therefore a disease and must one withdraw? And how does one take the first step to say, that's it, I listen to Dr. Pescatori, he's a knowledgeable guy, I'm gonna start this. How, how does one get started if it is an addiction? Well, it is an addiction. Um, it absolutely is an addiction because uh, sugar lights up the same pleasure centers in the brain as cocaine. So that is, that is an addiction. So that is a physiologic addiction. There's a psychological addiction because we are met, what are the, all our comfort foods? What are our go-to foods? We're feeling bad, so I, I need a chocolate bar, or, or it's that time of the month and I need to have chocolate, or, or and I'm not blaming chocolate right. specifically. There's plenty of other things out there that bu- bug me just as badly, but soda. Soda is another one. Why do we need soda? Soda, and, and why do we need supersized sodas that you can go back and refill? I mean, that to me is just outrageously. Our kids. Our kids. Yeah, and what do we do to our kids? We we specifically specifically target sugar towards our children, and and not only do we do it, but pediatricians do it as well. Yeah. I mean, my nurse, um, my nurse has two children. And he is in constant battle with his pediatrician because they're like, you don't feed your kid sugar? Why? He's like, why do I need to feed my kid sugar? Tell, give me a reason the why norm, they need sugar. Right? The norm. It's the yeah. norm. I mean, it's why do they have to have all these snacks? All these play, I, I mean, I went to school, I never had cupcake snacks and I never yep. had pretzel breaks and I never had any of those things when I was, when I was going to school. But, but it is an addiction. Getting back to your point, it mm-hmm. is an addiction. And it takes 72 hours to get through that addiction. Okay, so if you can give it three days. You can give it three days, days, you don't even think about sugar anymore. I mean, you might think about it because let's be honest. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think about sugar every day and I don't eat it ever. Yeah. But, you know, I was a fat kid, so I was 100 pounds heavier than I am today. Wow. So I think about sugar all the time. We had a, a doctor weekly who I worked with uh, at a hospital out here. We had a patient come in who was addicted, self-acknowledged, addicted to Dr. Pepper, the soda pop drink. And I told him, look, if you can give me a month, I can give you your life back. He had migraine headaches, went off of these things and other things and came back to see us in one month and Dr. Weekly and I were sitting there and he said, okay, I can't believe this. I've gone three weeks without a migraine. I feel as good, but can I now have a soda? Dr. Weekly and I looked at each other. Yes, we want you to challenge. We don't Mm -hmm. call it cheating. 
he went to the 7-Eleven market and uh, popped a soda before he even went up and paid for it and started drinking it. He put his dollar on the counter, went out to his truck, and he said, he, he went back in and said, I'm sorry, I've, I'm a Dr. Pepperaholic, uh, but this one's bad. And she said, oh, I'm so sorry, we've never had a bad. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, right? So, and you guys listening do too. So he goes back and gets another one. She said, I am so sorry. I'm going to throw this one away. He gets in his truck. He pops it. Same thing. The soda wasn't uh, old or aged or improper. The soda was totally proper. His taste buds had changed in one month. Do you see that? I see it all the time. I mean, I, I, will, I, will cha- I can change people's lives in two weeks. Yeah. And you can change people's lives in two weeks if you you can give them their life back. I mean, they sit there and they they've been. I, I've had this problem my entire life. I've had it for thirty years. I've had it as long as I can remember. You change their diet, they come back in two weeks later. Wow, I don't have headaches anymore. My joint pains are gone. My stu- I don't feel bloated or gassy anymore. My bowel movements are regular. I can think clearly. I mean. It's amazing. And then, and then it's always, and this is the part that gets me, <laughs> always, well, now what can I, right. can I have it right. back? Right. Like, why do you want it back? <laughs> if it's not making you feel well, why do you want it back? So I do the same thing that you do. Yeah. Go yeah. ahead, try it, yeah, see yeah. how you feel. I learned many years ago studying fungus in mycology <clears throat> that human cells and fungal cells are very much alike. As a matter of fact, we study new drugs with yeast cells because they have a nucleus and a membrane, a cell membrane, and so forth, like a human cell. But in a human cell, fungal cell relationship, the fungal cell within a short period of time becomes the dominant cell, and it begins to dictate addictions. It, if fungus doesn't get carbohydrates, it dies. It doesn't want to die. It's been around forever, millions of years. So it will. what will happen, folks, is you begin to find yourself craving pasta and breads and alcohols and sugar like crazy when you have what they call a systemic mycosis, a systemic fungal condition. That would be one condition, again, that Really, it's not your fault. It's a different cell lining your body now that is creating this addiction. But those cells are offset with probiotics, new mm-hmm. science. I mean, it's interesting how probiotics have these antifungal properties uh, once in the gut. Your book, by the way, congratulations. Thank I mean, you. I, I've known you for so many years now. You, you know, you can see you on uh, Good Morning America and all these great shows. Uh, but the A-List Diet is your newest book, just out a couple of months, already a bestseller in other countries. It's going to be here very soon. But on the cover of this, you lose, uh, you say, lose up to 15 pounds and look and feel younger in the same two weeks you were talking about. Mm-hmm. That's an epiphany for people. Why in the world do we, and I'm going to put myself, uh, why do we then say, Thanksgiving's here, I can have a little piece of cake, and then the addiction starts all over have you been there? Have you sat down with friends and eaten a little sugar and then go to bed at night and go, man, I wish I had something in the house that was sugary? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, because, I mean, we're all human, right? So right. we're going to have Thanksgiving celebrations and birthday celebrations and weddings, anniversaries, what have you. And if I have something, the next day I want it again. Yep. And I don't know whether it's the fungus kicking in, yeah, whether exactly whether, yeah. whether it's must you know it must be fungal memory like muscle memory, immuno memory, yeah, yeah where yeah. it just kicks right back in. But I'm you know I I'm the one I get right back on. I, I don't even give because, myself because Dr. Pescatori, 
Tell me about the Dr. Pescatore if you didn't. You were there as a kid, you said. Do you, do you, could you go three, four, five days and feel okay and then it kicks in? That would kick in, absolutely. Because at, at this point, I, I, I eat so cleanly, so I could go three, four, five days, probably even a week yeah. of, of eating poorly, what I consider poorly, right. and, and, before it, and before it kicks in. Then, the, then, then I'll get sluggish, then I'll be tired in the afternoons, I won't feel like exercising like I do every yep. day. Yep. You know, it'll, it'll all start coming back. And why do I want that to happen? Well, the predisposition to disease alone, you said there are 11 different kinds of cancers. Alone, that isn't cardiovascular disease, that isn't gout and arthritis. Diabetes. Uh, diabetes, I mean. I mean, where you lose eyesight, where you lose organ function, where you lose all sorts of things like that. So so it doesn't, it, it, I, I just can't figure out why that doesn't translate to people. And the only way I, I, I can make sense of it is that with cigarettes we actively engaged with and to tell people that it is going to kill you on a tobacco box it will say this will kill you right it says it i mean still people do it but way less people than ever before uh, uh smoke cigarettes so why can't we do the same thing with sugar and it comes down to and and i get the same argument all the time well you don't have to smoke but you have to eat and I'm like, yeah, but you don't have to eat sugar, and you don't have to eat pasta, and you don't have to eat simple carbohydrates. Because you know what? If you want pasta, there's mung bean pasta you could have. Yep. There's lentil flour that you can have. Oh you could God. have a spiralizer make out of zucchini, out of calamari, you, if you want pasta-type things, spaghetti squash. I mean, there's a million things that you can make that look like that. You can make cauliflower pizza dough, you know, pizza yeah, crust. I mean, there's millions of ways around it to make much healthier alternatives. Yeah. But I think until we have this super educated push, because what happens, sadly, is that eating healthy is expensive. Hmm. So right now, you know, what, what do we have? We have uh, the two lowest um, obesity rates in America are Manhattan, south of 96th Street, and the west side of Los Angeles. People can That's where <laughs> two very well-off parts of America are. And then the rest of America is 40% obese or overweight. Um, and that's really frightening because if you had a dollar to spend, Doug, what would you spend it on? A happy meal where you make 1,000 calories, you know, 3,000 calories, I don't even know how many calories in a happy meal. Or are you gonna buy an orange? Yeah. Which is yeah. only 100 calories right. for that dollar. America's gonna buy the happy meal. Of course, and, I, and, and part of me can't blame them. Yeah. Because if they have to feed themselves on such little money, but here's the flip side. The flip side is we also have to understand and realize that we have to spend money on food. You know, right after World War II, we were spending 40% of our income on food. Really? We spend less than 10% of our income on food now. So until you have a government that supports the ability to, that, that will subsidize organic farming, that will subsidize a way for farmers to bring that, the food that they make to market, there's no, no system in place for that. There's only a system for big agribusiness. Yeah, yeah, it used to frustrate me when I worked in clinical nutrition <clears throat> that people would get that high in two weeks and then like you said, say, okay, where do I go from here? How about more of the same? Few do. Mm -hmm. they, most of them get back to their ways. Okay, that frustrated me, but then my wife brought it to my attention. What should frustrate me more is their physicians. 
they go and pay money to a doctor to tell them how to enjoy good health? The answer is not in a prescription. The answer is to fix the underlying pathology, which avoiding sugar and carbohydrates would do. Much of this is the doctor's fault, but he's become, and you said it best on one of our shows, he's become quite robotic. Mm-hmm. He's got to see a patient, you know, insurance company's got him seeing a patient every 10 minutes. He's writing two prescriptions for every patient. Drug companies are loving him. Uh, medical schools are advancing him to chair of a department because of what he's doing. I wonder how many physicians know what you know. You're a rare bird. Yeah, not a lot of docs are willing to put in the time. And we don't learn it in school. So it's something you have to self-educate yourself about. And if you don't have the discipline and you're not into health and nutrition and diet yourself, then you're not gonna be able to tell your patients because A, you don't have the time. B, you probably don't look like you do the role anyway. So how is the, how is the patient gonna understand you? Um, so it's really, they don't have the education. And that's the real sad part, and I wish they did. Did you have a loving grandma, loving mom, who taught, you know, who taught you to eat well and said no to the cookie. It's not Friday night yet. You know, is this oh, how was this you kind kidding? of your base? My uh, grandmother. Resource? Really? Talk about old school grandmothers. <laughs> old school Italian grandmother. We live, I grew up in New York City, and all weekend long, all we did was forage for food. She used to pick dandelions from the side of the road where the highway was. We used to have to go to each different borough of New York City. We went to Staten Island to get spring water. We would bring these buckets to collect the water. We would go to the chicken places in, in Brooklyn and, and she'd pick out the chicken that she wanted to kill. We'd go get the, the fish from the stores in Chinatown and put the, the fish in the, in, the, uh, in the bathtubs till it was ready to be cooked. I mean, this is how I grew up. I mean, we would, it was all organic farming. We had, we had, uh, we would grow our own food. We had cherry trees in the backyard. You know, my grandfather who lived in Brooklyn had cherry trees in the backyard. I mean, this is how I grew up. My, my grandmother would make her own peanut butter. I mean, this was before yep. you go to any store now and just grind your own pe- nuts. I mean, she would soak uh, beans to make her own beans. And I mean, I learned a lot from her. I mean, God bless her. I mean, I, I, I owe a lot to her. So there was, because you've told me the story that even through medical school, you're kind of snickering, looking to your left and your right at, at other students, hoping they would have a snicker response also. Why take a pill if you could change your diet? And they didn't, you no. know. So you're the only kid in there doing that. Could Dr. Pescatori, who graduated from medical school, you know, a quarter of a century ago, could he go to medical school today or would it drive you out of your mind in medical school? You know, it drives me out of my, it drove me out of my mind then. You know, so of course, if you want, if, it, look, I mean, I think it's, it's I, we're, we need doctors. Mm-hmm. I think it's really right. important. But I just wish that the curriculum would include um, would include nutritional education. Even at Harvard, the number one uh, you know, educational institution in the world, as they would like to call themselves, has three hours of nutritional education in the entire four years curriculum of medical school. Wow. So how do you, I mean, I can't learn nutrition. I, I can't learn what's new this week in three exactly. hours, let alone an entire field of medicine, which, but I personally think we need to have nutritional medical internships and residencies. Kind of complementary. So you know how to fix a broken arm. But you also know how to then tell the patient, look, you broke your arm because you're overweight and you were doing this. Now let's lose the weight, right? 
And then, and then finally, Dr. Pettis. But it's not just about losing weight, Doug. You know that. Bro, it's about, no, it's about repairing damage being done by the body that's advancing your aging process and leading to disease. But then we won't have that. But then I won't be able to write prescriptions for statin drugs and <laughs> and anti-diabetes drugs and it's sad. and chemotherapy. You know, so. I know. I, I'm I hate with to you. be that way. I'm but. with you. Listen, Dr. Pescatore has written the A-list diet book. Such a great book. Before I say uh, goodbye to you today, tease our audience a little bit. If there were one or two things in all of your books, and this doctor has best-selling books out the gate. He writes them himself. He's deep. The books are deep. And yet, they're kind of shallow. An average person can sit down and read oh, this book a you know, in a weekend and absolutely love it. Thank you, by the way, for doing that. One or two things nutritionally that you would recommend. That could be change of diet. That could be a supplement. What, what do you like? I think, I, I mean, I really think there are, I have a list of desert island supplements yes, that I think are I, super I love important, that. you know, that include, uh, you know, a good probiotic like Dr. O'Hara's probiotic. I think there are certain things you have to take for yourself. CoQ10 so that you keep your mitochondria healthy, which is super important. Get rid of sugar, get rid of simple carbohydrates. I think a lot of people have heard that message before. But I really want to encourage exercise. I mean, I, I can't tell people how important exercising, getting out and moving, getting out and doing something, even if it's walking around the block, even if it's parking your car further away from the store you're trying to get into, you've gotta move, you've gotta keep everything going because when you look at cognitive function, when you, which, when you look at all of that stuff, what keeps us healthiest is exercise and fitness. And if we can keep exercise really right there, and if we could choose foods that are organically grown to the best of our ability, to the, you know, save your pennies, get those good food. If you want a good steak, save your money and get a good grass-fed and grass-finished piece of beef. Yes. You know, and, and then don't eat that the rest of the week. You know, eat something that's less expensive. But I just, I just want people to know that this is doable. And all I, I can say, Doug, be consistent. The more consistent you are with this, the better the results you're going to be. I love it. Thank you so much for your time. Thank Thanks you for, for all the great me. books. The newest one is The A-List Diet. My guest was Dr. Fred Pescatore. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Know the Cause podcast with Doug Kaufman. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating on iTunes or tell a friend. For more, visit us online at knowthecause.com or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash knowthecause.